Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6 of the Let's Watch podcast. I'm your host James with my co-host Dunks. Hello. And today we or today we're going to talk about the a girl who walked home alone at night. I pulled a Carolyn and picked a foreign film with a very long title. Yep. We uh we love those subtitles. The last like good chunk of movies more than half <laughs> I, th- <laughs> yeah. I think it's either or half is foreign films uh, and the rest of Carolyn... are bad <laughs> no that's not true well the 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 third week every third week is not a good movie that's what was facing us this week that's yeah. coming up that's what we're gonna have to pick i'm just trying to remember what else we watched i picked one that wasn't foreign i just can't remember what it was under the skin oh under the skin yeah uh but carolyn what did what have you watched since the last time we chatted I've watched literally one thing. It's that time of year. Um, But the one thing that I watched was very good. I saw Amy, the documentary about Amy Winehouse. I think we discussed it last week, maybe, or the week before. We've Uh, talked about it before. Yeah. It was was pretty incredible, actually. Um, I really liked it. I think one of my favorite things was that all of the voiceovers, they, they were never on screen. It was never just someone sitting talking to the camera which I know we uh, we talked about, but I think it was really effective for storytelling because it felt more like a narrator rather than an interview. They would definitely get across, like, who was talking by, well, a tagline that said, like, voice of so-and-so, but they would also show, like, an old picture of them hanging out with Amy or footage of that kind of thing um, when you're first getting to know the voice, but after a while they were playing the same voices, talking about various stages of her life, and you kind of got to know them, and you even had a picture in your mind because you saw them at the beginning of the film in that, first image that they showed with Amy but it was an incredible story it was a very sad story and it kind of made me think of um back when all of this was happening when uh Amy Winehouse was kind of spiraling uh multiple times I realized as the movie um went on I would see the tabloid covers and I was quite young so I'd just be like ah she's shirtless running around again like what an idiot but like (laughs) (laughs) this movie shows that there's so much more behind it and um that there were a lot of chances for people to have helped her that they didn't. And there were a lot of chances where she was completely clean again. And then she kept relapsing for various reasons. So I think it was a lot of, um, she was a pretty remarkable talent. And and people often took advantage of that um, in terms of like managers and stuff. But she did have a few people that really, really cared about her. And I think it was a matter of um, she she couldn't see it as much. But what I think was also cool is that Obviously, you're watching and you're seeing her spiral, but she also had moments where she realized that she was spiraling and she kind of, you know, foreshadowed it. At one point, uh, at the very beginning, beginning of the movie, she said um, something along the lines of, like, I, I didn't know I was depressed at the time. I, I feel bad for the people who don't have the musical outlet that I do. I think if I didn't have music, like, I would die. And then at another point, she said, I don't think I could ever be famous. I don't think I would handle that well. And then that was very, very much the case. So it's kind of a bit a bit sad when you watch it, but very, very well told. Well, that's that sounds very good. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard about the film, and maybe, I don't know if you don't think you should answer this, then don't. But that uh, certain family members and a certain person that um, come across very poorly, mm-hmm. as it's more of like they were enablers instead of actually helping her yeah there's a few people that every time they reappear in her life you're like oh this guy's bad news and it's it it kind of tells like um well it i mean obviously it's a very real life story but it also tells like what could be a fiction thing you know we're in the in a book or a movie you keep seeing those few bad eggs keep popping up and you're like oh come on amy this is bad news why are you hanging out with that person and there are a few times you want to, yeah, you want to shake her family and be like, what are you, what are you doing? But there's, there's quite a few people that are very supportive and you just kind of want to give them a hug because you're like, you're looking out for her and she just won't accept the help kind of thing. So yeah, no, there's, it's, I can, <laughs> I can see why the family's not so happy with the movie. <laughs> or certain <laughs> members of the family. Yeah. But like, they also did interviews with, like they, there's interviews of them in the uh, in the movie. Um, so I think the director interviewed them and whatever. But then I guess the way that it was cut together, uh, they didn't like the telling of the story. Well, like, I, I, I imagine there is some, uh, like, maybe 
I, I would hope it is as faithful to the, the order of the events as possible, but mm -hmm. if they don't like the way it is told, these videos were taken and that's just the way they come across. Yeah. That's, can't really, and I, there obviously were enablers around her, otherwise she wouldn't have had this group of people surrounding her while she was, you know, just tumbling out of control repeatedly, apparently over and over and over. So they show her, is her music a big part of this movie? Oh, absolutely. Or is it very much, like there's um, like full-on performances and stuff? Yep, they play full songs, they, um, they show, well the music was so ingrained in her life that you can't just tell a story about her without talking about her music because something that I didn't really know about her is she was way more about the music than the fame and even when she was hugely famous apparently like according to the interviews she never really got a big head from it and she she never really wanted that um, she was just so much about the music and it really talks about her uh, her jazz influences and her roots mm -hmm. and um, that's cool but yeah no at points they have um, full songs like mostly full songs and they have like lyric sheets on the screen like of her handwriting and like because um, the stories are, that she tells in the music are so important um, with what's happening. Like, rehab is obviously about how yeah. she didn't want to go to rehab. I don't think it's particularly a spoiler to say that was right after she didn't go to rehab. So the stories that she tells through those songs are so important that you can't really have the movie without them. Which I really like because her music is incredible. Well, that's that's good. I like I don't think there's much more to say about this film unless you think there is, but we've already talked about like so much into it. I just have, yeah. I guess one, one, uh, one last question is that now that you've seen both Senna and Amy, and this is this guy's definite style of documentary that he likes to make, mm -hmm. which one do you think does does Amy like improve or change the formula other than that it's just about a musician because they're both hugely influential people. At their times or is it very much just a this is the same style just about Amy Winehouse instead of Ayrton Senna I think I think the biggest difference is that if you don't know Senna you don't know where the movie's going um, with Amy most people know how it ends up so they used a lot of a lot of foreshadowing and a lot of um, you're kind of following the journey but you still know the end result whereas with Senna you're following the story and kind of like, you know, trying to figure out what would happen in the end. So I would say it is very true to his style, but Amy, he kind of had to tell in a different way to keep it interesting because we do know where it's going. So it was, he needed to tell something about the story that we didn't already know. But I would say they were very, they were both very comparable. Um, I think it was just, it's hard for me to compare them because I literally had never heard of Senna before I watched the movie. Well, yeah, that's, he was way bigger in every other place except north america right like and f1 like isn't a especially. sport <laughs> f1 even though there's grand prix in both countries f1 isn't a sport that is like what massively popular here like it is everywhere else and like he was obviously giant in brazil and amy winehouse was big in uk because yep. she's british but yep. um is there anything else you want to say about it i just we've covered it so often yeah no absolutely uh dunk's seal of approval boom it got the stamp. Oh, it got like five stamps. That movie. Boom, boom, Ooh. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> that theater is eventually going to catch on of who you are. You they know. are. You know what? It, it's the same theater that I see all the good movies at. Uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's like, it's not a Cineplex is really. <laughs> is it like a draft house thing with like comfy yep. chairs, like, like sofa chairs and stuff? Well, okay, no. It's like normal theater chairs, but it's very small theaters. It's, it's an indie. Well, it's called the screening room. I was going to say it's an indie screening room because... It's literally what it's called, but it's like an art house cinema, and they play a lot of the smaller film festival things, which is exactly what I like to watch, so it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Before I go on to what I watched, I just, since Carol and I both celebrated birthdays since the last time <laughs> we did one, I was looking up, because I was talking with my family, and this is mainly just a story for Carolyn, uh, but I was looking up like famous people born, who, is bo who shares a birthday with you, like yep. the day. Um, and like I looked up who I was and there wasn't really like I, I can't remember the remember but I looked up my sister uh, and she's born on June 15th and she has Ice Cube and <laughs> Northwest That's... as her like one in two like most famous so one's one's Ice Cube and the other one's a, like a two-year-old baby uh, <laughs> and I, I sent her this text message because I was talking to my parents and I'm like what are the odds Megan knows 
who these people are and i was like she has to know who ice cube is and like northwest like i think she would like and like she lives under she lives under her own rock but i like i think she might have known and my my mom was like she won't know who the baby is she thinks she knows who ice cube so i sent her this text and she replies and she's like okay who who are those people and i was like oh, uh, and i was like you should look them up and then she looks them up and she's like oh they're both rappers and i was like mm. <laughs> ice cubes a rapper uh uh, the other one baby. and i was like um and i was like megan just google northwest and then she was like she was like okay and she's like oh northwest is ice cube's baby <laughs> and it was like no <laughs> i'm wrong again <laughs> oh she's got a whole rock under herself doesn't she under Gotta herself she's baby. under that rock <laughs> she's she lives in her own little world yeah <laughs> it's charming it's charming it's 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 There's she's something. special <laughs> Oh man! So, what did you watch uh, the past couple I, weeks? Uh, all I really was able to get in was: Have you heard of this TV show, The Fall? It says it's a Netflix original. It isn't. It's just Netflix distributed in North America. It's a BBC show. Mm, yeah, I think I have seen that. I've seen the cover at least. Yeah, it's with Gillian uh, Anderson from The X Files and a bunch of other things, and mm-hmm. Jamie Dornan from Fifty Shades of Grey. And he had this before he had Fifty Shades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just finished watching the second season last week. Yeah, that's all I, I really, really was able to get in. So I won't. I will like. I'll, okay, so the basic premise of the show is, and like this is only spoilers for the stuff that happens in the first season, and it's stuff you find out in like the first ten minutes of watching. Uh, so Gillian Anderson is like this super detective. Like she's she's solves. She's really good at solving crimes, uh, and is one that gets called in. Because this takes place in Ireland, uh, and right. she's from London. So she's kind of like a Luther, except she's also not like a superhero. She's just like a really good detective. Mm-hmm. And she's called in because there's been this string of murders where women have been strangled and stuff. And the murderer is played by Jamie Dornan. And you're not spoiling anything because he's the first character you follow. And you like watch him kill these women. And the show like, bounces back and forth between these two main leads with, like, a bunch of side characters and stuff. In, like, typical British show fashion, you meet this side character, uh, at like, at the beginning, you don't know their name, and then in the second season, they, like, get a speaking role, where in the first season, they were just background, and you're like, oh, this guy's a really good actor, or she's a really good actor, why weren't they bigger in the first season? It was like, oh, no, other characters just had to move out of the story a bit, and then these people get brought up, and it's like, oh, okay, that's just how British TV works, it's not like American TV. Mm-hmm. But the first season was great. I really liked it, and it was it was really tense because you were like it would the the show would just put you in these houses with these women, and you know he's there, and like you followed him throughout like how he picks them and all that stuff, so you know what's happening, and then it will just stay in there for like twenty five minutes as you're waiting for this to happen, and they're walking around like nothing is happening, and he's just in there waiting, biding his time. The, the stuff happens and you're just like this is so tense i just need to walk around what is going on sounds like british tv <laughs> it does it does sound like british tv and anyway the, the first season ends um where it felt like if they couldn't get another season they could have left it there and like obviously i don't think it's a big surprise to know that stella who jillian anderson's character was you know becoming more aware of jamie dornan's character and that sort of stuff but the second season of the show is also really good it's it's kind of different it's more about in the first season you like jamie dornan plays this horrible character but he's almost he's like you like him in a weird way because he just seems like a like they play it as like he has a family he has two kids he has a wife he's married all that stuff he has a job where he's a psychiatrist and he's actually helpful to people like he's helping a woman in the first season who's being beaten by her husband Mm-hmm. Um, and he helps her out of that situation and then goes and murders people uh, so they kind of just they kind of play it and he plays it like he's a redeemable character almost it's just like he has this he can't control this urge but he's trying to also live a normal life and do good things and he's just a generally like nice person or like as nice in the normal life and then he's a horrible person because he does this shitty thing but in the second season it gets way more it dives deeper into what makes him tick mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And he gets more preachy and 
there's certain like you understand his like you finally understand his motivations for doing these crimes to these innocent women and i like multiple times i was just like this guy is just an evil fuck <laughs> like he's just this motherfucker and then they'll like bring in his daughter and then they'll have a great conversation and he'll be like a great dad to her and it's just like this this motherfucker is just terrible <laughs> and he's just so evil and it's just he gets preachy and he is like he gets proud and he's boasting and he's like trying to change people's views to mm-hmm. like match his own of like why he's doing this and it's just it made me like while watching this show like because you understand the allure of uh jamie dornan like he's a like there's a point in the final episode when there's this other character who's brought into the show and i won't he's just another cop and i won't spoil anything with him but he's having this conversation with stella and he's talking to her and he's like you know like this guy is just fascinating like he has an allure to him it's just i just want to find out what makes him tick and stella turns to him and is and just says no i'm terrified of this guy he's just he's 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 evil he's just like bad news and that sort of stuff and like i think like the it made me at least think that i was like well that's what the first season of the show did is it's like you did in because if you've ever seen jamie dornan you can understand why he looks like a hollywood star he's like got <laughs> He's got the looks, and he's a re- and he's a good actor, and he's got like he's Irish and all that sort of stuff, and he's in really he's he's a famous actor, so they're all like in ridiculously good shape. And then in the second season, it's like, oh no, these just you shouldn't like this character at all one bit. Like from the beginning, it should have been him kid strangling women was the line. It, they knew it wasn't, and the line is actually when you find out his ideals and his motivations. But it's really it's a really good show. Uh, it's well shot, well directed, well written. Um, and it's like very British TV. It's not like American crime shows mm-hmm. um, or American basic cable crime shows because it's it's different now. But it is like, yo, bad shit happens. And this is just kind of life. And there's a bunch of other things happening in all these people's lives that conflict with what's the main story. And it just mm-hmm. it goes places where it doesn't. I don't you don't know where it's going to go. And there is a third season coming. I don't. I was a little. Eh, about the ending because i was afraid they were gonna i'm afraid they're gonna play it in one way when i think they should play it in the like i think that the reason the character is doing that is for a, a different reason and again not trying to spoil anything but it's i think it's only 12 episodes i think Sounds and there like are all hour long <laughs> yeah it's like six episodes and then it's gone yeah <laughs> um but the last season two's is like a 90 minute finale but mm-hmm. it's it's good i think i think everyone should watch it it's it's well there's so many crime shows coming from Britain and apparently all of them are great. Like there's Broadchurch and this one and Luther and a bunch of stuff. So, well, yeah. similar to uh, both Broadchurch and Luther, is it like fairly slow burning? I know British TV is very willing to take that risk because apparently um, British people have a little bit more patience than uh, North American audiences. You mean, is it one of those you slow burn Brit- shows? <laughs> British people aren't, like, on their phones all the time and being like, I need to be constantly stimulated. What's happening? Yeah. No explosions necessary for the Brits. No explosions. It is and it isn't. It's, I would say it's, like, like Broadchurch is very... Have you seen Broadchurch? Um, I've seen clips, but not Broadchurch is very slow-paced, and you don't mm-hmm. know like the main thing like you don't know the character that perpetrated the crime like you don't know from the outset i should say and luther is it's different because luther like the first season is like a distinct like it's like it's kind of like each episode is its own thing and it's all wrapped up and there's like an overarching story and like the second and third were like two-parters whereas this one is uh but it's like since you know that jamie dornan's the killer from the beginning it is more action oriented it's like a different it's a different take because you're usually not thrown in with the killer right mm-hmm. as a main character and then you're not and then you're it's it's a little more action it is it is like it takes its time getting places like it it moves at like how life moves and it covers a lot of time but i would say it is it is a little faster paced than than Broadchurch and maybe slower paced than luther just because of the time it takes but mm-hmm you know, I um I IMDb'd Jamie Dornan because I was like, that name sounds really familiar. Failed to mention it's the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. No, I said that. Did you? Right at the beginning. I was like, oh. Stella. It was like, Gilly- 
Jillian Anderson from X-Files and Jamie Jordan, mm-hmm. Jamie, Jamie Dornan from Fifty Shades. I think I was caught on the X-Files because I was trying to figure out what that chick looked like. I eventually got she's, there, but the Fifty Shades. She's me. Scully. Yeah, yeah. No, I figured that out. But I was trying to figure out like how she looks old. Uh, she's blonde, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like her natural hair color is blonde. She actually, she looks good for how old she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first saw the like previews for the fall and stuff, I didn't actually realize it was her. But you know, now that you mention it, it and is. she's not <laughs> pretending to be an American. Yep, yep. It's always nice when they can actually have their true accents. How are the accents in this show? I know sometimes it gets a little like. Well, hard it's to... all Irish people except for her, right? So mm-hmm. you feel like you're in Ireland. They're not like crazy Irish people, like where it's like I don't understand a word you're saying. They're all very like, you know, toned down and. Uh, I can understand every word they're saying. Like, there's some lingo that might get missed, but it's pretty, yep. pretty self-explanatory. But well, it sounds like a really interesting it's, show. It's great. I think you dig it, Dunks, because it's dark. Oh yeah. Did you like the first season and the second season better? Do you think? I liked. Okay, this is they're like different shows almost, but it's with the same characters. I think mm-hmm. I liked the first season as a whole more. But I think the second season had stronger individual moments and also weaker. The second season was more consistent, but mm-hmm. the first season's highs were so good. And the second season has a big high, like a mm-hmm. big culmination. But the first season has this storyline that doesn't really go anywhere. And it's kind of been dropped in the second season. It's like they mention it once and I'm like, oh, yeah, those characters who I haven't seen since the first season. I guess like the showrunners realized that. Oh, this isn't it good. It's taking hit. away focus. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's right up the dunks alley as dark, twisted, and makes you feel emotion. No, makes you <laughs> makes you kind of uncomfortable. Makes you kind of uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. there's a character that's just really awkward, which is right up your alley. I, I always, uh, you know, I can resonate with those a little bit. They, you know, <laughs> the socially awkward people. Me. Yeah, they just get me. <laughs> I I understand those socially awkward people. <laughs> they have like a bunch of socially awkward scenes with like him just interacting with like public and it's just like oh i hate all of this but uh, that's all i really want to say about the fall without spoiling more i'm getting the running out of things to say other than just repeating myself <laughs> again and again and again as i tend to ramble on what is the carolyn dunk sponsored news story of the week well okay see you're always banking on the fact that i do have one what if i what if i forgot one day I didn't forget. So uh, what if I, did? I would fire you. <laughs> yeah, you would hire a replacement. I would find somebody named Caroline Schmunk. Schmunk, <laughs> who is also like five feet something, and lives in Kingston, and is yep. just constantly sweaty. Okay, it's hot here. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like when uh, when you're listening to the radio, you have your two favorite hosts or whatever, and then all of a sudden. It's just your one favorite host, and they're like, oh, so-and-so's on vacation. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we have this other chick to replace the original person while she's on vacation. And then the other person never comes back. And you always You're just wonder, like, like oh, what happened there? Oh, it wasn't a vacation. You know what it was? They forgot their news story. They forgot the news story, and then they got <laughs> fired. So <laughs> That's what happens every case. It's not that they get a new job. Mm-mm-mm. They forgot the news story, so I will never forget. But the news story today is um, Spike Lee is getting an honorary Academy Award, which is kind of interesting. He's never gotten an Academy Award before. He got a Student Academy Award in 1983 when he was doing his thesis film. Um, And then it took another seven years, and he got a nomination for Best Screenplay. For Do the Right Thing. Yep. And then in 1998, he got a nomination for Best Documentary for Four Little Girls. So he got... Three nominations, one of which was when he was a student, and he's never won, and he's never gotten other nominations. Do the Right Thing wasn't even nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, anything like that. And a lot of people were like, what the heck? Should have been. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of people have been saying. And the U.S. Library of Congress selected it for the National Film Registry, so they're saying that the cultural significance of this film is so great that, um, you know, it's in their collections and um, that sort of thing. So the Academy's kind of realizing that they made a mistake and so they're retroactively offering him um an honorary award for basically his they don't flat out say it's for do the right thing but it's for his um collective contribution so i guess the honorary award um 
their tagline is um, to honorary extraordinary distinction in lifetime achievement, exceptional contributions to the state of motion picture arts and sciences, and for outstanding service to the Academy. So basically, Spike Lee, you did some cool things, and we're sorry you didn't get any Oscars, is what that is. <laughs> it's, I think it's, a, it's, they do this all the time, and it's usually mm -hmm. with older people who, or people who are no longer in the business, who mm -hmm. they've just overlooked, or they just, it never happened for them, and they award them, and it was like, I know Oprah's got an honorary Oscar, and James Earl Jones got an honorary Oscar, and like all these famous people. Get them. I, d I think it's a little strange because Spike Lee can't. Like, I would say he's in his fifties, but he can't be much he's 57. older. So like, he still he still makes films. Like he's got he's had yeah. one that comes out. He hasn't. I personally don't think he has done anything as good as Do the Right Thing. No, his his highlights were definitely back in the day. I've actually met Spike Lee. What? Yeah, he's okay. Did you meet him or did you like take a selfie and you were standing a block no, no, no. away? I met him. So. Uh, I guess I could give the background. I was um, going to this student ambassadors um, conference um, and like volunteer program in New Orleans. And so it was five years after Hurricane Katrina and it was kind of the anniversary. So we were going back to do some more cleanup five years later because a lot of businesses still weren't fully reestablished. A lot of places still had a lot of damage. And so thousands, like a group of thousands of students um, from a whole bunch of countries around the world got together for this conference thing and so we volunteered a couple days and every night there was speakers and so we listened to like a storm chaser Condoleezza Rice was there she's really cool by the way I think she was the brain behind George Bush that's uh, no I know she was the brain behind George Bush but anyways what you're you're <laughs> telling me it wasn't Dick Cheney <laughs> so so Spike Lee was there and um, because he made the film when the levees broke um, which is a four-part, like, Sega. It's really good. It's really interesting, but it's also, like, four parts. So it's very long. But um, it's really good. And I got that ahead of time and watched it to kind of, you know, get myself in the mindset to understand the storm and what happened and get see some insider stories. But anyway, so I had this DVD set. And I was walking around, not really backstage, but, like, I was trying to find the bathroom, like, if we're going to be honest, <laughs> at this <laughs> conference. So I was, like... Wandering around, my whole group was sitting there. A couple of friends and I, we just, we looked over and we're like, that's totally Spike Lee just chilling. Like, he was waiting. He was kind of trying to hide, so I kind of feel like a jerk for going up to him. But, um, yeah, he was just chilling, waiting to go up and do his speech or whatever. And so my friends went to chat to him, um, and I went to chat to him too. And he was so nice to them, but he just didn't, he wasn't, he didn't like me very much. I don't know, he was kind of a bit of an asshole. Um, we were like, oh, like, we were very respectful, and we're like, oh, like, we're really looking forward to your talk, we watched your movie, we really like it, and I was like, can you sign my thing, because I had it with me, because I'm like that, and, um, and so I was like, can you sign my, you know, DVD sleeve, or whatever, and he's like, yeah, okay, don't tell anyone else I'm back here, and we're like, okay, like, we weren't going, okay, thank you, nice to meet you, bye-bye, <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's just, because if he was going up to speech next, he didn't want to get, like, having to like sign all these autographs and then not being able to go up on stage and stuff and well yeah no behind. i totally understand but that just just hurt young carolyn's feelings <laughs> sign my booklet yeah you're right you sign know booklet, what? i see a lot of reasons why he didn't like me now <laughs> oh I, I still don't think he needed to be like an asshole did he he signed it though right yeah like real small yeah, then, but like it's there it's there you know that's it's cool that you met him i think mm -hmm. I think they're probably awarding him this Oscar because I don't think Spike Lee is going to make another movie that is nominated for an Oscar. Might be nominated. I don't think he'll make one that will win. Yeah, he, he only... Okay, the, he, he does his best work when something significant happens. Do the Right Thing is, like, hugely... Like, it's talking about things that are still happening now. Yeah. Even more so now than it was at that time. Mm -hmm. At least it's a conversation that is happening now. I think he has a, a lot of really good ideas and good messages, but sometimes he needs to, like, tailor himself down. He needs down. an editor. Yeah, yeah, he does. And, like, even with this um, New Orleans video, When the Levees Broke, it was really, really good. But it didn't, it could have been a one-hour thing rather than four discs. And, like, he, yeah, he needs an editor is what it is. Um, because his messages are really important, but he needs to find, like, to compact them in a way that people can digest a little bit better. Because more people will watch it that way, and then it honestly will get further as a message. 
Yeah, and like I, it, he's at the point where he can make whatever the hell he wants to make, mm-hmm. um, and he's lucky enough to do that. And he doesn't really work within studio films anymore. He's kind of done doing Hollywood movies. I think he's very much more interested in doing his own thing, like independent film, which is that he started with, and just like producing things and helping young black voices in the industry mm-hmm. get up and started. And like that might just be what he wants to do now. Actually, no, I take that back. He directed um, the American version of Old Boy, Old Boy in 2013, and it wasn't was very him? good. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Um, but I don't know if that was him. It could have been the studio, like, re-editing it or something. But he's done, but, like, you know, good films recently, like I the Red, see... Hooks, Red Hook Summer and that stuff. I can see why he wouldn't do Old Boy as well, because that's... The original was apparently, like, incredible and also kind of very twisted. And what he's really good is telling stories that like connect to our society and stuff. And I think Old Boy is more, I don't know, more more fiction based, more like storytelling based, rather than, you know, check out these messages, look at the issues we're seeing today, that kind of thing. So I think he was going more for like feature film if if he were on Old Boy as a project. It might have I mean, been a take still the money feeling. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like a project he wouldn't take. It's a bit weird. It doesn't seem like a project he would take, but. I, I was interested to see it because he was attached to it and then it wasn't very good. It's just that the original version of the old boy movie, damn near perfect way you can tell that story, the way they told it. And his is more faithful to the the manga that it's adapted from. But yeah, there's yeah. other problems and that sort of stuff. But like, I'm just looking at his IMDb right now. Um, and he was ex- like, from 86 until 96, he did nine film. He did 10 films. So one a year. Wow. Uh, and then from then on, he did, and then he did one in 98, one in 2000, and then he did the 25th hour in 2002. And these are just feature films. Like he's done, he did like short documentaries, short films, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then he did another one in 2004, and then one in 2006, and one in 2008. So he kind of is like averaging every two years, but like they've been getting more and more spaced out, and the quality has been going down a little bit. Like the 25th hour is also really good, but. The other ones, they're more, they're they're fine. They're still good movies, but I'm actually surprised they're they're giving him one so soon. I thought he would definitely get one, but I thought it would be when he was older. But I'm glad that he's getting one. He's an important, if only for Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X and mm-hmm. 25th Hour. He's an important voice, and he's an important black voice that apparently the Academy is like, we honestly like you guys. We're mostly <laughs> white and male, but we like black and women. So it's like... Here, we'll give Spike Lee an Oscar so he can shut up. <laughs> That's kind of what well, it seems like. Yeah, I think he's done a lot for the, the social movements. And yeah, he, he is an incredibly important um, black voice. And yeah, I think it's the Academy kind of being like, oh, shit. People are, you know, getting angry. Well, especially with um, movies like Selma and... Um, getting snubbed a lot. Yeah. Yeah, um, completely getting snubbed. So I think they're they're kind of feeling a bit of pressure there. But what's interesting, um, one of the articles that I was reading about him getting the award, they're like, at 57 years old, time isn't on his side, you know, for getting um, a non-honorary. <laughs> I know, I'm like, 57? Well, he's not dying. Like, I just, I found that very strange. Um, because like, especially since directors old. can be like, old-ass men. How old is Steven Spielberg? Like, he's a, wow. He must be in his 70s. Yeah. Early 70s, I would say. Let me find out. But George Miller, who just directed the the fourth Mad Max, mm-hmm. is seventy. So like, yeah, it still happens. And like Scorsese's old, and Clint Eastwood's in his mid eighties. Okay, Clint Eastwood is like still doing it all. He's still acting. He's still writing. Like he's, oh. yeah. So I just I just found it very interesting that they think Spike Lee's just about done. You know, Spielberg's seventy. Well, he yeah. might be done as a modern, like, Hollywood filmmaker. He might just want to go, want to go away and make his, like, little indie films. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's interesting to me because I think he can do more interesting things there. He might not have to, like... Or or I think what he'll do is, like, what most of these people do unless they're on the level of, like, a Spielberg or a Christopher Nolan or, like, a George Clooney or something... Mm-hmm. is they do the one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me, right? Yeah. Um, I'm. It's good to hear he's getting one recognized. Um, mm-hmm. It does kind of seem like the Academy is just doing this to shut him up because he is also very outspoken. He doesn't really care what people say about him. He just says his, he speaks his mind all the mm-hmm. time. 
So yeah, uh, he he has no shame in that, um, which is kind of admirable, I guess. Um, on on another note, another honorary Oscar is going to uh, Gina Rollins is maybe, and there's a Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award going to Debbie Reynolds. Um, so those are the three awards that they kind of voted for. Um, I think on Tuesday night, last Tuesday, not the most recent one. Has he gotten it or is he getting it at the awards? He's getting it at the awards. So the awards are in November, uh, November 14th, and that's when they will be presented them. But they've been voted and so it's like it's official, but Mm -hmm. they'll get presented. um, Yeah. I'm glad the Academy's recognizing at least people, you know, that are before the age of 60 (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that might be. (laughs) Or at least directors, or like honorary awards, because, you know, some people make great films when they're younger, and then, or those films never appeal to the Academy. Like, I can see 20 to 30, 25 years down the line, like, I don't think Christopher Nolan's ever going to win an Academy Award, but I think he Mm -hmm. should be recognized in some way for what he's done. Well, yeah, because I think being second best a lot of times doesn't mean you're not good it just means your movie wasn't voted the best any of those times and like that could be definitely you know speaking about the years that he was making these movies do the right thing is incredibly important and very culturally significant but maybe people didn't realize it as much at the time or they kind of objected to it but looking back on it now the board of directors is or the board of governors rather is like he needed something for this we should have given something for this a long time ago Mm -hmm. and like there's he's just not making films that are in the academy's wheelhouse they're not they're not designed for the academy right they're, and they don't connect they're with made everyone. for him no yeah. and they're made for spike lee like he, that's what he does he mm-hmm. makes movies for himself and there's a bunch of people who do that or like incredibly famous actors now that have never won an award like sam jackson but he'll probably if he doesn't win one he's definitely going to get an honorary oscar just for being like Sam Jackson and being in the movies he was in and like a very well-known and respected actor. So yeah, that's good to hear. I'm glad Spike Lee is getting at least recognized because he is, I don't, I don't want to say he's past his prime, but I think his most influential films have passed if I had to take a guess, but who knows? He might like disappear for 13 years and then come (laughs) back when he's 70 and do his version of like, Mad Max where he wrote and everyone would be like, oh my god, what happened? <laughs> Spike Lee's a great director. Spike Lee do Mad Max says, please, please. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to say on Spike? Nope, Spike's other doing than well. He, that he's a New York, other than that he's a New York Knicks fan and I'm sorry that he's decided to cheer for that team, mainly for his own sanity because they're terrible all the time. <laughs> Poor Spike. Poor Spike. Poor Spike. But anyway... Moving on, this is a short, a quicker one, I think. I think we're moving pretty, I think we're moving quickly. We're at 42. Eh, that's about average. Yeah. The beginning was quicker and it was a longer news thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie we watched this week that uh, we're going to talk about, and spoilers, because yo, for real, is an Iranian film by an Iranian filmmaker. Um, I believe she's Iranian-American or something I actually, I don't know completely, but... Her name is Ali, Ali, Anna, Lily, Amipur, Amirpur, Amirpur, let's just go with that. I'm sure it's wrong. I don't think you butchered that at all. That was mm, amazing. Carolyn, I hate you. (laughs) But it's called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and I can read the synopsis if you want, Carolyn. Please do. I do not have it up. I don't have it up. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So this movie was released in 2014. Uh, and it is spoke. I don't know what language it's spoken in, but it is uh, a language that you would find in Iran. I think I it's wanted, Persian. Like... Is Persian a language? Because every time nope. I googled it, no, it's not. Okay, that's. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. So. <laughs> it's a like. Uh, oh no, Islamic. it is in Persian. It's a. Uh, if oh, you look it is down. in Persian. Yep. Okay, it's in Persian. Um, and it, in, in the Iranian ghost town bad city a place that reeks of death and loneliness the townspeople are unaware they are being stalked by a lonesome vampire uh and before we get into talking about our favorite part carolyn what did you think of this movie that you watched in parts (laughs) i i hate watching movies in parts i think this is definitely a movie that benefits from not watching in parts because as with any movie with subtitles you can get lost fairly easily um i thought the beginning well no okay overall i thought it was kind of interesting it is also her first feature. 
Yeah, she's I directed think, shorts, but this is her first film. I think that this this director has potential to go very far. I thought it was interesting. I thought it looked really, really neat. The whole movie mm-hmm. was in black and white, and I thought that was very interesting. I liked. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it was. I, I think it was pretty good. I um, wasn't crazy about it at first. Like it was just fine, but the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, that. I don't know. Something resonates there. Um, so it wasn't my favorite film, but I would definitely like to see what else this director can come out with. Yes, I am. I would agree with that. I'm like extremely interested in what she's going to do because I think mm-hmm. she's really talented. Uh, I'm actually the the inverse of you. Mm-hmm. I thought it was incredibly strong for like the first thirty to forty minutes, and then it lost me a bit in the middle. And I was like, "This is, doesn't need to be this long." There's like mm-hmm. like there's just some fat that can be trimmed. Uh, it's also a very visual uh, film. Like it, mm-hmm. its story is told through interact like that characters just reacting and like visual shots of things it's not like it isn't there's not a lot of expository there's almost no expository dialogue except from maybe like one character well the um the main character the or uh, main character i don't know the lady doesn't really talk for the first good chunk of the movie and i was kind of wondering if she was going to talk ever and then when she started talking she talked to quite a fair bit but there's still meaningful not a lot yeah more than I would have expected, um, because they very yeah. purposefully didn't make her talk for the first like half hour. Um, yeah, no, I would definitely agree that there were certain parts where I was like, "What is the, what's the point?" And getting to the end of the movie, it was a little bit like, "What was the point?" Well, there was a specific thing with uh, because we can just talk about it really without having to worry about spoilers. Because if you haven't listened to it, either uh, you don't care if you're listening this far, <laughs> or you uh, have watched it or just go watch it and then come back like you can do that as well but there is this character starts with by picking up a cat for his dad who's mm-hmm. a junkie or a cat for himself um and it seemed like the only reason that the cat like it's fine that he goes to pick up a cat at the beginning but like the only reason that the dad was like his character was further developed was for a reason for her to end up with the cat so he would know who killed his father, who he kicked out of his house. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that whole like thing could have been cut out. It could have been another series of events that made them get there that were shorter. Like, it just, I didn't care about the dad because he was just terrible. <laughs> he was yeah, like this... he wasn't a good dude. <laughs> he was a terrible father and like this, he was just sucking on the sun. And it's sad that he died, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily... Like, that could have been, I don't know, tell, I would have preferred it told in a different way or just shorter. But I do like, let's just get into, there's two things I want to talk about. Um, how many are there for you, Carolyn? I will let you go ahead and I will just add my few comments here and there because there's no large things. There's certain elements I definitely thought were interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, since I'm on the whole thing with the ending, I uh, I just really liked how characters interacted with each other in this film. It felt like a lot like these char- each individual character had their own agency. They didn't need to explain to the audience what they were thinking because mm-hmm. you just understood. Like yep. with the main character, Ar- Ar- Arasaf, I can't remember his name. Arash. Or pronounce his name. Pr- Arash. Yeah, Arash, yeah. Uh, he sees the cat in her apartment when he comes there and he's like, let's just leave because his, both of his, his mother's been dead a while and his father's died and he has no, no reason to stay in this shithole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he likes this girl and she likes him back. Um, and he sees the cat and like, and then it dawns on him like, oh, I know who did this because why would she have this cat if she didn't? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's driving in the car and you're like, you're not sure what he's going to do, but like, he never brings it up to her. He doesn't ask like why or like yell at her because he's also to blame. Like he kicked his father out of his house mm-hmm. and told him to go live on the streets. Like, what did he think was going to happen? Uh, and the character just comes to this realization without having to like blame this late this woman in any way and just comes to understand that like okay i'm also to blame and it wasn't that terrible of a thing to do mm-hmm. and i just thought that whole i thought the ending was very well handled and then they just leave but i liked how every character like had their own motivations and they just it wasn't they didn't need to explain it it was just easy to understand yeah and at certain points as the audience members you did have to try to 
figure out why they were doing what they were doing. And I thought that a, a good example of that was the little boy. Um, when she's just like, when she first meets the little boy and she's freaking him out. Um, she's yelling creepy things in his ear and, you know, you don't know why she's doing it. But you don't really need to know why. You're just getting a further picture of her character. And what I liked, um, unlike typical um, vampire movies, is that... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, let's call it what it is. It's a vampire flick. Um, but what I liked is that they never... These days, vampires are all about remorse. And they're all sitting there being like, I feel so bad. I killed your father. But, like, she didn't feel bad that she killed his father. She freaked out the little boy and didn't really care like she's she's completely fine with what she's doing that's not to say she's a completely evil person who's just sucking on blood but she also didn't feel the need to justify it it's just who she is and she doesn't (laughs) at least in the film you don't see her she seems to pick shitty people Mm -hmm. like she doesn't like she she has these certain people that she feels like she needs to help protect because they are in an unfortunate situations of not of their own doing they've just been dealt a crappy hand with life in this town um, and I, I appreciated that. And like some of those people didn't want her help. And then they would have conversations about it or like they, they would have like it would be like frank discussions, really. Like there wasn't many conversations in this film. Mm-hmm. I guess the fil- where the film lost me is right after um, he meets her for the first time and they're in the, her room and they put on she puts on the record and then she listens to his heart. And I was like, everything up until then I thought was pretty, pretty great and had me. Um, and I liked the whole thing with the pimp. I thought that was great. I thought he was really good. The guy who played the pimp. Yeah. Uh, with like that whole scene in his apartment. Because you know, she's like, this woman isn't normal. Like, I didn't know it was a vampire film until that happened. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she bit off his finger. This is not <laughs> what, what type of movie am I watching? Yeah, it was uh, strange. <laughs> Yeah. And they did they were really good at building like tension and that sort of stuff and and they didn't use like the same techniques all mm-hmm. the time. Like she didn't like some like their character would walk away and she'd be following them and they turn around and she'd be gone or she'd turn around and she'd be there. And yeah. then they would turn forward and they then she would be there and that happened once and then the other time they just continued walking and she would just follow them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and... I think it lost some of its tension as it went on. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting that she didn't have the same pattern every time. Like, when she was scaring people, she only scared the little boy once, and, like, that was by directly talking to him. When she was kind of freaking out the the dad, she was just staring at him and, like, kind of mirroring him. Um, and then the other guy, she just flat out ate him. So, yeah, no, there was... What I liked is that she felt, strangely enough, almost human in that sense. Like, she's, you know, kind of screwing with these people and, you know, expressing her personality, but it's not the same every time. Um, just like the same time, you know, when we go to the grocery store, we don't act the same way every time. You, you no, get the joke like there because she's eating the people. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, that's your one. That's your one, damn it. <laughs> it wasn't even a good one. No, that's your fault. You could have done a better one. Um, <laughs> it's not my fault to judge quality. <laughs> I guess it's a, two um, audio-visual elements that I really liked. Um, I thought it was neat that she was in, like, the traditional um, headscarf because when she was wearing that, she almost looked like she was, like, floating because mm-hmm. it would kind of billow, but not in a, in, in a cape kind of way. It was more of, like, a, well, I guess, like, a bat or, like, you know, a vampire, like, floating towards you. Um, so that was always very interesting. I liked the, her getup. It did. It, it was a smart thing to do for a low-budget movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very simple and, like, yeah, no, it made sense. And it also didn't make her stand out as this vampire person because she just looked like a normal person who was just staring at you instead of talking to you. <laughs> Another element that I thought was neat was um, they, they definitely paid careful attention to audio editing and their sound mm-hmm. mixing because um, I noticed a couple times that it kind of was like an enhanced reality. I, I found it neat because the visuals were like a very dark screen, dark scenes, and the light was very carefully paid attention to. And the audio in certain parts would definitely be amped up. So in certain parts, um, like when, yeah, when he was li- she was listening to his heart, that whole scene, the music's very loud until a certain part, and then they, they purposely turn it down. Whenever they would take a drag of a cigarette, I remember the, the pimp character, he took a drag of his cigarette, and you were like, oh, something bad's going to happen. And then, like, that whole scene, everything that he's doing is enhanced, and she's just standing there. 
And I think it was a very interesting, interesting thing to do. And it wasn't in your face about it, um, but it definitely added to the ambiance where it's all kind of mysterious and a bit, um, you know, surreal. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like I, I completely agree with that. I was like in the first when I was like really digging this movie at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was gonna text, Car- I was gonna text you and be like, Carolyn, this movie is my shit. <laughs> with like the tone and the music yep. and like everything that's going on. I'm like, this is right up my alley. Like I am all into this. It had good music too, actually. It had really good music, yeah. and it, it felt like simultaneously like like people like because it's some of it was older and some of it was fresher, so you didn't really know like the time frame or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was they had he had a cell phone, so it was at least it did feel a bit so, old a modern school, you're in right. some way. Um, I think um, black and white helped, but also there was there was no and this could have been purposeful, no indication of more modern times. There was no billboards, there was no cabs driving by, and that was partly because it was a weird ghost town. But no, it was very interesting. It could have taken place in a lot of different eras. Mm-hmm. It looked a little bit like. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was reading an article that said like. This could take place in Tehran. It could take place in right outside of Chicago. Like, it could just be like some weird abandoned neighborhood anywhere, really. And like the black and white, also helps with like you don't mm-hmm. know the race of these people, even though like obviously the language you're t- talking about, and they all are Muslim, like Iranian, mm-hmm. like that region of people. They're that people, but like putting it in black and white, it completely like just. I think it makes it more accessible to a bunch of people. No. It's like, it's not important who they are. They're just, and they act like mm-hmm. Western people, you know, like in a weird way. It doesn't seem like they're acting like what I think another culture would act. They're mm-hmm. almost like cultural. Well, it, yeah, it kind of lets you fill in the blanks because they're not wearing clothes that make you think a certain way. They're not, but they're not not. And they're not doing things or acting certain ways. Like, yeah, I think we kind of can fill in the gaps for ourselves, which is, it's kind of neat. I, I think that's a good way of storytelling. I don't need them to explain. I don't need it explained to me. Just like, like Arash is mm-hmm. kind of dressed like a fifties greaser, like from like from the. He's kind of dressed like John Travolta from yeah. Greece. He even has like a similar hair thing going on, like like a fifties. And then like the pimp is like dressed. He's like wearing a tracksuit and is like super tattooed. And then she's wearing like this traditional clothing and. So it just, it mixes all these things together and it just, I think, it makes the characters easily distinguishable and it's a part of who they are and it like removes all this. It takes place in like a location and a time period that's just kind of indistinguishable because it doesn't matter. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. that would probably be very hard to direct and make those choices on because it could easily come across as like they won't make a decision on time or style or dress but it, it didn't come across that way. You're right. It did seem very much like character choices rather than like mixed messages. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was just, it, it made them feel more real, like lived in characters. Um, but before I, before we go to final thoughts, the only other thing I wanted to talk about is like, right as the opening, when he's walking across that bridge and it just like sums up that city as a whole, as you get further on, is that it's just mm-hmm. like the underneath the bridge is full of bodies. <laughs> And you're just like, and like none of them care. Like everybody who's walking around is yeah, like, that's where that's you just the, body. the city, I guess, mm-hmm. right? And there's no cops, and like that's just where those bodies go. And like he doesn't look at them at all. And like it's just, I just thought that was a well, very. Well, what was interesting too is image. that you see the body get thrown into the pit, and it was him who threw the body into the pit, right? Yeah, because he took his shit. But right? what's he what's interesting the, the is like stuff. he didn't even kill the guy. He wasn't even there. He has no idea what happened. But he he's just like, okay, well. Gotta throw the body in the body pit. I mean, it's a dead guy. We gotta put him in the pit. It, yeah, just and and no one questions it. You're right. Um, he came in. He he knows that. Well, I guess he wouldn't necessarily have known, but he saw this girl walked in, and this guy was dead. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna throw out the body. He he doesn't question why she did it. No one asks questions, which is kind of a scary, scary world. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the world, though. You don't really want to know. Yep. Uh, I'll go first on final thoughts and I'll let you finish. Uh, I think that if you're interested in like this type of movie that we described, you should watch it. I think there are definitely some things in here that are really good. So it is, I think it's a worth a watch. Um, it's not easy in any sense. It is more of a, it isn't a movie that you can like look away from Mm -hmm. and stuff. It is, you have to devote your time to this. Otherwise you'll lose the thread. Uh, but I, I really like the music. I really like 
the tone i think i'm really interested mm-hmm. to see what she does from here on so i i would say uh people should check it out it's not like my favorite movie ever or mind-blowing mm-hmm. i think it's a really good first film and i really want to i hope she has so much, this director has so much promise um and she mm-hmm. has a very distinct style already yeah, I would uh, I would definitely agree with that. And also, yeah, I, w- I would say it's worth a watch, even if just for the first bit of the movie. I mean, don't stop watching the movie, but um, that <laughs> you're right, James, in that <laughs> that's really where it had its stride, and that's where really where it was the most interesting, um, and then the end as well. So, yeah, it, it dragged in the middle, but definitely watch it. because And you can look out for all of the different elements that we chatted about, because it's, it's definitely something... Um, I feel like this director has ambition, and I, I think that she will definitely go places, um, especially since this movie, a lot of people have heard of it. I know it's a, a like a smaller, um, more underground type of movie, but a lot of people have heard of it and have heard, like, it's kind of interesting. If nothing else, it's it's an interesting watch. So, yeah, definitely go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, she does have a new film coming out oh, next nice. year, uh, but but does, is, does this movie get the dunks? seal of stamps of approval i would say yeah sure it's it's worth a watch i wouldn't say yeah it's my favorite thing but definitely worth a watch uh and her next film is called the bad batch uh and it's a english language film it's a dystopian love story in the texas wasteland and set in a community of cannibals so it's like in the wasteland again um and dealing with some shit but it stars jason momoa who played cal drogo on Mm -hmm. game of thrones and it also has keanu reeves jim carrey Giovanni Ribisi and a bunch of other character actors that you might recognize so it does seem like she's continuing on a similar thing which Mm -hmm. makes me excited and I hope uh, she can learn from some things from this film but anyway uh, before we pick a film for Carolyn picks a number and ruins uh, my next two weeks of dreading (laughs) to watch this film whatever it is you can follow Carolyn at cheese fan number one and you can follow me at james underscore willicks and like if you've seen the movie twitter show that's whatever also we're available on itunes and soundcloud uh all that stuff comment review whatever the usual plugs but anyway (laughs) carolyn the usual plugs anyway carolyn can you pick a number between uno and 270 without picking 37 or 129 Hmm. Okay. What's the top number again? Two hundred and something. Two hundred and seven. What is that? Two hundred and seventy. <laughs> okay. Let's go for two hundred and three. Two o three. Give me one second here. I have to flip the this page. It's such a long list. And now it's stuck in my headphones. <laughs> uh, we have to watch the Raven. The Raven. What is that about? Is it? Is that based on an Edgar Allan Poe something? It is an Ed, Ed John Cusack playing Edgar Allan Poe Poe in an action movie. That sounds it's, terrible. Uh, that sounds bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, let me. It also starts Alice Eve, who is very uh, pretty. When a madman begins committing horrific murders inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's works, a young Baltimore detective joins forces with Poe to stop him from making story his stories a reality. I think I might have seen this movie. One of those late night things. It also stars Luke Evans and Brendan Gleeson. And John Cusack probably sleeping through the role, if I had to guess. Well, yeah, this is, yeah. And let me look at what else this director has directed. Oh, he directed V for Vendetta, which is a good film. Then he directed Ninja Assassin, then The Raven. And then he hasn't really done much since then. Oh, the girl in this is um, the girl from the Alice Star Eve. Trek movie. The second That's one, interesting, because yes. when I saw her in Star Trek, I was like, oh, this girl, I've never heard of her before, but clearly I have. Uh, we should say the Rotten Tomatoes for a girl who walks home alone at night as well. Oh, yes. Uh, Do you have that up? But I'll look up The Raven as well. I'm pulling up The Raven. The Raven has a Rotten Tomatoes score of dun, 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 22%. Oh, sounds incredibly bad. That might be the highest one we've had to watch so far. <laughs> so it's going to be a quality movie comparatively. Yeah, we're we're going up. We went from Chile to 10,000 BC to The Raven. Oh, so goodness. hopefully this movie will have a plot. Oh, man. Uh, just give me one second to pull up a girl who walks home alone. The Raven, if this is... I have it. I was just... Okay, but, uh, uh, but now I have a story to tell, so you're going to listen to it. Okay, go ahead. This is how it works. Yes, this boss. Is how it works. So, <laughs> if The Raven is the movie that I'm thinking of, I watched it when I was a little bit um, too young to watch it, so, like, two days ago. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those movies that... It, it 
it has weird torture things. And I like turned it on and I was like, this looks interesting. And you know, when you don't see the first opening credits, you don't know what you're in for. So I watched it for like 20 minutes and then it was like, oh God, God. And because they murder people in weird and horrible ways. So we should really be looking forward to this movie. Um, but mm, okay. It sounds dark and creepy. But to be fair, I could be wrong because last time when I uh, was watching <laughs> 10,000 BC, for the first like 20 minutes of the movie, I thought we were watching year one. And I kept waiting for Michael Sarah to pop out. I was confused. Oh, and I was so, oh, so mistaken. And I, I wish we were watching year one, to be honest. But, but no. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I, that sounds, that's the most Carolyn thing I've ever yep. heard. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, a girl who walks home alone at night has a ninety-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So much, much uh, better than uh, the Raven. Mm-hmm. Much, much better. Uh, but anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye.